It ain't about the money, money, money. We don't need your money, money, money. We just want to make the world dance. Forget about the price tag. It ain't about the ka-ching, ka-ching. Ain't about the ba-bling, ba-bling, unless you're a billionaire. That's right. This month, we get to talk about billionaire romances. Jen is so excited. Oh, I'm thrilled. And it's her turn to rage. So if you want to hear Jen get really upset about something, (laughs) stay tuned. Hey there, romance nerds. Welcome to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. We are librarians at Northern Onondaga Public Library, and we are also romance nerds. Now, if you're wondering what this podcast is about, wait for it. Romance! Specifically, the romance genre of books. We are going to be talking about anything and everything having to do with romance, the genre, the tropes, anything and everything. So with that being said, sometimes our material will be a little too sensitive for younger readers. If you feel the need to wait until they go to bed, we will be here for you. We would also like to issue just a general trigger warning for some of the things that we do talk about. We will always try to issue specific trigger warnings for each episode so that you know what you're getting into. Now, without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I've been ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage. Hey, Jackie. Yes? Why are billionaires such good bakers? Why? Because they make a lot of dough! Ah, something I don't do. <laughs> Besides the baking part. You guys get what I'm trying to say. But you yeah. definitely don't have any dough. No. Nobody does. That's why we're talking about billionaires and this month's edition of Raging Romantics. Yes. And some of you are wondering, wow, billionaires have their own subgenre and romance. And yes, mm-hmm. yes, they do. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And it's more of a recent phenomenon, I would argue, than before. We'll get into that, though. Okay. So first things first, let's, uh, let's define what a billionaire romance is. Jen, do you want to take it away? Yeah, because obviously there are a lot of plots in romance that revolve around having a wealthy partner, but that's not necessarily the function of the plot. It's not necessarily why you read that particular story. Sometimes the richness is just to advance the plot. It's not necessarily the plot, if that difference makes sense. Right. So it's kind of like if you're reading a sci-fi book set in space and suddenly there are space unicorns. You aren't reading a space unicorn fantasy (laughs) book. You're still reading a space opera. (laughs) I think more, Christine Fian has this book of, psychic soldiers and psychic experiments and the reason those things took place was because the scientist was very wealthy but it's not not necessarily a billionaire romance it's a sci-fi fantasy romance it just so happens that the plot is advanced because he has money to do all these awful things to orphans and soldiers which is another podcast entirely or because he can buy the heroin all of this stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah so a billionaire romance to kind of sum up everything the one of the characters usually the hero yeah usually the hero is a billionaire and they identify this character very quickly as a billionaire very quickly as being rich as living the lifestyle that a typical billionaire would live and there's a couple different tropes plot lines that a billionaire romance can fall down so the first one is 
a the bad boy billionaire. Uh, yeah, this one's fun. This one is the playboy who, you know, he's he's not the best guy. He's done some stuff. He's um, there have been a lot of women in his past, a lot of alcohol, maybe drugs. He's he's not the best guy out there. And a little bit of shining, put him up and fix him up. Yeah, he needs his armor needs to be buffed up before he can be a romance hero. And a lot of times with a reprobate playboy, reprobate, reprobate, I shouldn't say. I don't want you to think that if you can't pronounce. This is your fault. You're the one who wrote this note. I could spell it, but I can't say it. What the heck? (laughs) That's my own fault. I know. Sorry, guys. Bad boy billionaire. A lot of the times he will be faced with like a dilemma where he has to he has to reform his ways. Something has to happen where he goes from bad boy to romance hero. And that usually comes in with like a young, naive heroine who comes in. She's the one in the white charger who saves him pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, this and is I know what- probably, the, I know the story you're probably thinking of that sounds like this is 50 Shades. 50 Shades isn't exactly a billionaire romance. Right. That's more of a BDSM. Uh, like redemption kind of story the billionaire aspect is kind of secondary and it plays into some of the directions the plot goes a lot of the times too with the bad boy billionaire you will see the cinderella story which is central so central to a billionaire romance is this lavish lifestyle this lifestyle porn i guess you could call it somebody called it that and i was like oh that's a fun way to put it we'll do that but this is where you have kind of like the pretty woman montage, I guess, where he goes and he buys her clothes, he buys her jewelry, their long, luxurious trips to the tropics. They go stay in a hut above the ocean in Polynesia or something like that. Things I wish I could do that I probably will never be able to, but that's okay. <laughs> You'll have other fun experiences in your life. I have chickens. So they will be ethically uh, acquired, hopefully. My chickens are just as exciting as a tropic vacation. I mean, there's a lot we can say about happiness. And there's actually been research done that most people are happiest when they make 70000 a year. And any more than that is where you start to get into some of these insecurities and some of these, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like problems that you see rich people have where they're just very consumed by their money. Mm. So do you remember that guy a couple of years ago? We're getting off topic already. So that's just how this podcast is going to go. Dan White was this businessman a couple of years ago who decided he was going to take cuts in his own salary to pay every single one of his employees a minimum of 70000 a year. And a lot of people got really upset by this. A lot of capitalists, uh, Rush Limbaugh, I think, said this was going to be a lesson in future business classes of how socialism ruins America. <laughs> they were very overdramatic. That is not what happened at all. Uh, business did incredibly well, more so than even he expected. And uh, it caused ripple effects like his coworkers were able to have eight babies in one year, more cars were bought, more houses were sold off. There, there was so much less stress in their own lives that they were able to focus more on work. Because if you think about how much time you spend at work worrying about stuff outside of work, this, ex- this boost to their salary really solved that. So I know we make these jokes that we would be so much happier with all this money. And I probably would be a lot happier. I would be able to buy a lot more stuff. <laughs> but research says 70,000. 
and it worked for this particular company. Uh, fun fact, he also took a salary of zero dollars during COVID so he could continue paying his employees. So maybe the CEO to fall in love with. He's like the real life romantic prince of a billionaire. What company was this? Uh, I can't remember the company. I'm so sorry. I should have written it down. They sold. I don't even remember what they sold. It was something. We'll put it in the show notes. But I mean, he was so beloved that his co-workers, his employees actually banded together to buy him a Tesla. Aww. Oh, I heard about this. That's right. You that time. There's right, my mom asking me what kind of wine I wanted. Hang on. Let me text her back. <laughs> White wine, please, mom. Totally on topic. But I was just thinking about when you made that note of like, research is actually 70,000. It's That's- more like you're happy. The average person is happier when they don't, when they can, they don't have to survive when they're not constantly struggling about how are they going to get to work? How are they going to feed their kids? When a lot of those normal problems are solved. The the example I saw was people aren't happy with a Lamborghini so much as they're happy with a reliable car. So they don't have to worry what's going to happen if they get an unexpected spare t- uh, flat tire. Yep. And then that's like $200 out of their savings, if they even have savings. Well, this is good that you kind of brought up a billionaire businessman because another really common trope or plot line that you'll see in a billionaire romance is a jaded businessman and a lot of the times I think this is where billionaires have come into the romance industry I guess you could say a lot of the times they evolved in my personal opinion out of like the CEO businesses of the 80s or CEO romances of the 80s I know that doesn't make sense. We'll get into the history of billionaire romances in a little bit here. Just bear with me. Put a pen in that thought. Hang on to it. (laughs) Jen disagrees with me on this, by the way. A little bit. I just, I, well, we'll get into it. I'm sorry. I won't go on another tangent about nothing, but I agree with you. Jaded businessman is definitely one of the tropes in billionaire romance because of course he's miserable. He's missing something from his life. And then a woman sweeps in to show him the error of his ways and let her love heal him. Could be a lifetime movie. Yeah. Uh, And a lot of the times too, it will be a workplace romance. Um, She will be somebody in his business. So like Christina Lauren's beautiful bastard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times, so she'll work as like an intern or she just came into the company or maybe she'll be the daughter of a competing business, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Another type that you see and is my personal favorite is the opposite of the jaded businessman. It's the recluse. <laughs> <laughs> I love this one because he's just out living in the cabin in the woods and being grumpy and mm-hmm. doesn't want to talk to anybody. And that's like me the grumpy one and the sunshine one yeah yep oh the sunshine hero yeah so the heroine comes in and she's like a ray of sunshine and she just lights up his life and makes him happy again it's beauty and the beast is what it is Mm -hmm. it's interesting a lot of these billionaire genres revolve around kind of these old fairy tale tropes that's something we see a lot it's really original it's the the beauty of the beast or the cinderella fetish as i like to call it we're going to talk about the cinderella fetish because i love that concept yeah, it's just I'm so very fun. excited too. It's so fun. One of the last ones you'll see is like a billionaire in trouble where in order to keep his money, he will, and you see this in millionaire romances too, but in billionaire romances, you'll see in order to keep his money, he has to marry or he has to do something where the heroine is put directly in his path and that she helps him save his money. 
Mm-hmm. And it's always his money or his empire. Yeah. At yeah. that point, there's not much else they care about until this woman comes into their life. Right. You'll see this a lot in like mob mafia romances mm-hmm. where, um, and this kind of plays in with a bad boy billionaire too, where he's, he's on the verge of losing his empire and she'll come in and maybe she's the daughter of like one of the competing mafia families. She comes in and she knows that there's a hit out on him and she comes to save the day and he ends up kidnapping her, but don't worry. It all ends up happy in the end because he didn't really kidnap her. He actually really likes her and she's, she's just there. So I do want to point out too, we alluded to this a little bit earlier, but it is still very much a male billionaire world out there. I can maybe only think of a few female billionaires and it's not necessarily in a billionaire romance. They usually inherit their wealth from family. Mm-hmm. So the, the Christine Fian one I brought up, I considered that for a minute as maybe being the first female billionaire, except after her dad dies, he leaves her his entire wealth empire, all of this information about why she's experimented on with the, all these soldiers. And that's the point. It's a much bigger story of this sci-fi thing that only exists because he had the money to do these experiments so it's right. very hard to find a heroine in this realm still and i think it goes back to what we talked about with the vampires and with so many other podcasts in the future <laughs> of, we're still putting the men in this power position and they are still like the predator they are still the, mm-hmm. the provider uh, whatever p word you want to use <laughs> So the only real billionaire romance I can think of, we'll talk about the 1981 one in a minute here, but the most current one I can think of that it has a female billionaire is a terrible book. I hate it so much. And it's, it's a personal premise issue that I have with it. It's the female is a billionaire and it's a series by Audrey Carlin where there's like this group of men in their business and they go around and quote unquote, fix up women who need help so it's kind of like the fab five but not in a fun Jonathan Van Ness way (laughs) he's not going yes queen he's he's crying in the background going no don't do that to her (laughs) so in the first part like in the first book she's I think she's a businesswoman but she's like classic frump that you see and so they come in and they like spruce her up and then they have sex with her to like give her a confidence boost give her confidence and then in the end, she's this lovely sex kitten who's just like out conquering the business world. I'm like, she was perfectly fine before. She was running her own like Fortune 500. So, so just keep that in mind going into this that this is still very much a wish fulfillment yes. kind of trope and genre. It's not super balanced yet. I do see that potentially changing the more women get leadership positions in general. I think there's a whole myth of the girl boss and that they're inherently feminist in a way that they ended up not being in real life so i do think eventually we'll see some female billionaires especially since uh, i think cougars are getting a little more respect so i think in general people will want to play with that and just swap tropes but it's going to be a while yet but with millionaires there are a lot more self-made millionaires than there are self-made billionaires in the real world and Jackie has some amazing charts that she's so proud she found and all of these great stats because she is our best romance nerd ever. Yes, I found a line graph and it's a very exciting line graph. We'll get into that in the opinion section because there's some very interesting opinions on billionaires versus millionaires and all that sort of stuff. But 
going back to the argument of women, I think that we'll see more women making their way into millionaire romances because it's much more believable, I think, for a woman to be a self-made millionaire yeah. than to be a self-made billionaire. Or really anybody. It's more believable to be a self-made millionaire than self-made yeah. billionaire. I mean, there are only... You needed some kind of leg up somewhere. I can't remember the exact number now, but I found a really nice like dot map which is where like the larger the dot the more something is there and um it gave us the exact breakdown of billionaires in the world and u.s had the largest followed closely behind by like china i found the number for you because i'm that great in 2019 according to a census report there are 705 billionaires in the united states with a combined net worth of three trillion dollars the united states only had 404 billionaires in 2010 yeah so there's been there's been a lot of growth and three percent yeah but interestingly since the start of covid 40 billionaires in the u.s are no longer billionaires well that's nice considering amazon got so much money yeah (laughs) Yeah. a little bit (laughs) yep so anyways moving on let's let's talk about where let's talk about the history of billionaire romance yeah let's look at where we came from with billionaires because I will say, I made a lot of assumptions, and thanks to Jackie's really great research, I found out a lot of my assumptions were wrong. Mm-hmm. So when was the first billionaire romance actually written, Jackie? So I had previously thought the first billionaire romance wasn't really till 2011, but then mm-hmm. Jen jumped in and was like, no, 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 I found this one in 1981, mm-hmm. which let me see if I can find the title of it. There's too many notes. I know. We got to pare this down. Something. Okay, 1981, Vera Cowie, Vera Cowie, however you want to say it, The Rich and the Mighty, which did actually feature a woman billionaire, mm-hmm. but it was an inheritance yeah. billionaire situation where she got the money from her deceased father. Mm-hmm. And I can't really find a synopsis about it anywhere, so that's all I know. It's not like Flame in the Flower. It doesn't sound like it made a lot of hearts and minds just glow with happiness uh it sounds like people really hated it the one kirkus review we could find ripped it so I think it's safe to say this was not a super important billionaire romance and we see a couple more romances that are, feature billionaires throughout the 90s and the 2000s uh, probably most famously jr rob or uh, sorry not jr rob jd J.D. Robb, thank you. J.D. Robb with her Eve Dallas series. There was also a billionaire romance I read uh, called Breath of Magic, but we really do not see a big explosion in billionaire romances. And again, I think that's largely because they were subsumed by other subgenres. So like in J.D. Robb, it's it's like a sci-fi thriller. And I was thinking about this. It makes sense that she made Rourke a billionaire when she started this in the 90s and she put this in the future. So she was rightly assuming that inflation would make billionaires much more (laughs) likely and more possible. Easily attainable. Yeah. Like it wasn't a big stretch to think that, yeah, in this long future, we're going to have some more billionaires. Uh, Maybe more of a stretch that he's going to fall in love with a cop and help out with crime instead of just, you know, evade taxes. And kind of like the Castle series. If you've never read the Castle series, it's pretty much that exact same trope, but set in mm-hmm. modern New York. It's great. Okay. Love it. Mm-hmm. And moving forward from 1981, again, like Jen was saying, you don't really see these billionaires as being central to the plot. They might be the hero. They might be 
important, but it's not, the plot doesn't revolve around them being billionaire. A lot of the times, this is my argument, a lot of the time the romances were a business place romance. They were CEOs. They were like fortune 500 leaders pretty much. And their wealth wasn't given a specific, oh, he's a billionaire. It was, he owns this he owns Amazon. Obviously he's a billionaire, that sort of situation. Courtney Milan did this interview where she was talking about her, uh, like her inspiration for writing a billionaire romance that she did. And they were talking about the eighties and it goes, Remember in the 80s and 90s, all those boardroom romances revolved around domineering billionaires doing things that, in retrospect, even if they weren't a compliance problem, certainly would constitute an HR headache. Also, hostile takeovers? God, people used to love hostile takeovers. Good times. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, really, like, capitulates the 80s and the 90s romance. It was very much like a business place romance or a historical. Mm -hmm. And he may have been a billionaire. He may have been a duke. But... It wasn't central to the plot. And then 2011 happens. Oh boy, what happened in 2011, Jackie? Post-recession is what ah! happened. I know. And 2011, okay. Fifty Shades was published in April 2011, first off. But as we said, Fifty Shades isn't necessarily a billionaire romance. He is a billionaire, but it's not a billionaire romance. Like Jen said earlier, it's more like a BDSM romance yeah. it's about the lifestyle the plot takes place more about anastasia exploring this relationship with Kristen, uh with her exploring her own boundaries it's about her more it's more of a sexual journey than a material journey or like an entrance into his material world right although they do take a lot of helicopter rides yeah i mean you definitely cannot take the helicopter rides with the money but it's more of window dressing yeah than the actual substance yeah I would say, aside from the one plot where he does buy the company she works for, like, you can't do that as a normal human being. I'm rolling my eyes. If you guys just heard something roll (laughs) with my eyeballs. Um, We keep saying we'll talk about Fifty Shades. We will talk about Fifty Shades, February February. We're saying it February, you will hear our Fifty Shades thoughts, and there are a lot of those. (laughs) But even with Fifty Shades, we did find some evidence that there were billionaire romances but they are in publishing houses that got wiped out when Borders went out of business because mm-hmm. they were a part of their, either their, their co what was it? It was called Cobra was their reader thing. And then there was Barnes and Noble when they tried their Nook. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We found a lot of evidence that there were billionaire stuff, but a lot of that stuff has been lost to time just because they bet on the wrong technology. And again, too, they were subsumed by other genres. They were on the wrong technology. They just weren't as popular. I get to talk about my line graph now, don't I, Jen? Oh my God, she is so excited about our line graph. And I'm this excited line graph. because it's a fun line graph. What does what the line graph say, Jackie, that you so saw? So it's a really interesting line graph that correlates years with opinion percentage of billionaires. Mm-hmm. And there's one line showing popularity and the other sh- other line showing hatred. We'll just call yeah. it hatred towards billionaires. And what's really interesting, the line graph starts 2008 when the recession re- recession hits. Sorry, Sean Connery made an appearance there. Oh, <laughs> Sean Connery, rip. And in 2008, the dislike, the hatred towards billionaires was like high. It was up there wonder why i wonder why and the popularity was very low but then as you get to 2011 
there's a pinch point and they come really close together. And then post 2011, between 2011 and 2016, the, they regularly flip. It's almost pretty much like every business quarter, the popularity versus the hatred of billionaires like flips. It's really interesting. It took me a minute to understand, but when I finally did, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then 2016 hit. Everybody knows what happens in 2016 in the United States in November. We're not going to go there. You know what? Actually, I have a quick question. That yeah. After you said that, do you think media helped at all? Because things like oh, Tony yeah. Dark and Marvel got really popular. Oh, yeah. Totally. Because that, in 2016, like Batman movies. Batman, yeah. I mean, uh, Iron Man looks like it came out 2008, so it's a little early for this flip. But, I mean... It's a trend between 2008 and 2011 when they start coming closer together. So it was kind of like with the recession, money coming back into the economy post-recession and kind of these companies like Amazon really taking off to the point where they hadn't before. It was a really interesting kind of turn in the public's mind, almost. Not sure where I'm going with that. I'd like to know what helped that. I I feel like media's got to be a big part. I'm sure they did PR campaigns to make them look good. Uh, I maybe it was so- just growing consumer confidence and made people yeah. less mad. Probably. I think social media too had a lot to play into it mm-hmm. where you got to see a side of these people that maybe necessarily wasn't seen before. Okay. I mean, yes, 2008, prior to 2008, you would have seen like candid photos and you would have heard from them. But with social media, you got to see a side of their life that maybe you've never seen before. Like, this is my bathroom. This when is my did, toilet. When did The Apprentice come out? Because I know Donald Trump had a huge influence on how billionaires are viewed, both favorably and unfavorably. I feel like I was in early high school. Right? So I'm going to say media had a big role in it, kind of helping the reputation of the billionaire. And it also had something to do with the downfall of the billionaire in 2016. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things happened in 2016. And yeah, so 2016, the trend flips again to where popularity dives, takes a huge nosedive, and the hatred towards billionaires really rises again. And a lot of that had to do, yes, with the election of Donald Trump and things that were said about Donald Trump in calling him an ignorant billionaire. And that quote specifically, a lot of people said was their flipping point to how they viewed billionaires as a whole, being ignorant and not knowing or being out of touch. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's my fun little. I feel like there was more general interest too in studying the actual effects of billionaires and the effects. I feel like with Bernie Sanders too, talking about the one percent mm-hmm. and just, just having grown up during the one percent protest or the ninety nine percent protests and for the Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably a lot of factors. You know, just okay. kind of combining into one perfect perfect lessons. Regardless of how popularly or negatively billionaires are viewed in real life, uh, when Kindle Unlimited became a thing, the billionaire trope really took off then. It was the heyday of billionaires. It was like 2012 to 2000. I'm going to argue pretty popular, but like 2016, 2017, I think was their heyday. I'm going to say I still see so many billionaire stuff. And I wonder if this comes into play with how our ads are targeted to us. Mm-hmm. This is true. Because I don't get targeted billionaire ads at all. <laughs> I get a ton because you guys want to know something embarrassing, embarrassing about me that I'm very shameful about. Yes, yes, we do. Yes. I love the billionaire trope. Say it louder. <laughs> Say it louder. I don't want anybody else to know. She loves billionaires. <laughs> right? 
in stories in stories now in real life they i don't think they're at the goal and probably most of them shouldn't exist we'll get to that in a minute but i mean some of them can okay but i think like the really crazy ones like yeah i just don't think you can become a billionaire without really screwing people over we're not there yet because i'm gonna behave myself and not get fired by saying anything too controversial (laughs) So obviously Kindle Unlimited had a lot to do with just romance in general, ebook publishing especially. And there is a huge market for billionaire romance. I think we should talk a little bit about why billionaires are appealing because I am very embarrassed with why I like them. So I think maybe I just want to have my own self-therapy and talk about why I like them. Go for it. Why do you, what, what do you find attractive in a billionaire romance novel? In a billionaire? So if I can be honest, I'm shallow and I really like spending money. And <laughs> claps in the background for Jen. Let me not joke. Because I, I feel like every time I make these jokes, there's an incel person out there just cackling to themselves like, hey, hey, I knew this whole time women are shallow and selfish. <laughs> now we have to define what an incel is. Nobody needs to know. I take that back. Don't Google it. It will depress you. Don't Google. I will put a definition. You do not have to Google anything. Do not go into any of the Reddits or subchats or forums. Oh, just, you like yourself after. just read my definition and be happy with that. That's all you have to do. Okay. But I think if we talk about a cleaner list of why billionaires are appealing, there's a lot to be said about the money. Like I just joked about, obviously the shopping sprees, the way you put it, the lifestyle porn is very attractive if we are being honest with ourselves. But I think what really comes down to liking the billionaire trope is the sense of security. Mm -hmm. it comes with money I think there is I think you feel safer with a billionaire aside from the plots where you get kidnapped because they want to ransom you or there's some kind of hostile takeover going on Uh, there's a huge ease of mind when I think about I gotta look up this exact number but I think something like most Americans couldn't handle a $400 emergency wipe out most people's savings if they even have that much for the majority I mean, there's a huge relief thinking about, okay, if something happens, if my dog gets sick, if my car breaks down, if I get sick, there's somebody who can come in and kind of sweep me away from my poverty. It's the Batman complex. Yeah. There's somebody out there, some do-gooder in a mask who will come in and save the day in his fancy black sports car. As opposed to all of us coming together as a community. Instead, we look towards one great chosen man to fix everything, Mm -hmm. which I think is true of real life billionaires too. And why I think we give them too much power. Yeah, credit, too much power, too much influence in terms of fixing social problems that a lot of them have been the ones to cause. Yeah. But before I get there. We'll get there. One thing we haven't talked about at all in this podcast yet, and I'm surprised by, there's this concept of competence porn where you really like seeing somebody being good at their job. Oh yeah. Or like being really skilled at something that they're passionate about or that they're supposed to be doing. So especially with billionaires, they are so good at their job, they're able to make billions of dollars. And I think that is very attractive. Uh, even if it's a billionaire, if it's a juggler, if it's a cook, uh, I think it especially comes into play with the billionaires though. Obvious exceptions, of course, are inherited wealth or if you're just a lazy bum. Yeah. It's <laughs> living off your rich dad or something. I think too, there is a relief of normal day-to-day problems with billionaire romances. You go from having to clean your own toilet to your boyfriend having like three people to scrub it for you. And that is where the Cinderella fetish comes in. Yes. I came up with this term. I was so proud of myself. 
well, I was for coming up with this. To me, a lot of this billionaire trope, a lot of the billionaire stories really boils down to some of these fairy tale motifs. I think Cinderella especially is a good example. Cinderella is one of those foundational myths that it seems like every single culture has had since the beginning of time. I think the oldest Cinderella myth is 3,000 years old from Egypt. Mm. It's something I think that appeals to us as humans to feel like there is good triumphing over evil if you work hard, if you do what you're supposed to do, somebody will come down and, and reward you and scoop you up from uh, this awful situation you've been put in by no fault of your own, usually, if we look at the Cinderella myth. I was going to say, with the Cinderella fetish, too, a lot of the appeal behind billionaire romances is the lifestyle porn, is the fact that so many times you will see the heroine is this poor in both senses of the word <laughs> young girl who comes in the hero is a batman complex who sweeps her off her feet lavishes all these gifts upon her like we talked about at the beginning and she's turned from the maid to the duchess i think a big thing too is that she's worthy of it and yeah. we feel like if she's worthy of it so are we and i think that's almost dangerous in a way i don't know if i want to use that specific of a term I think a lot of it is that a it's like you said it's a comfort to imagine that when you're in such a bad situation there's someone out there who can come sweep you off your feet but also that you have the power to redeem someone as powerful as that because a lot of times especially the bad boy billionaires you'll see the power of redemption play very heavily in the story where the heroine comes in and she redeems the hero and makes him this really good guy who's super ethical and not realistic at all. (laughs) Do you see going forward with the current sentiment of billionaires being so hated and so disliked, do you see billionaire romances continuing to be popular? So I see it happening both ways. I see that the more we get into this economic downturn with COVID and all the scary things that I think are coming down the pike, I can definitely see people turning away from it because I think rightfully so, there's a lot more criticism of billionaires than there ever has been. Mm-hmm. If you guys want to read some really good books, I really recommend Winners Take All and The System that can explain better than I could in this very quick podcast of uh, just some of the things that have gone wrong with us letting billionaires take over solving so many social problems that they kind of cause themselves Mm -hmm. and that is as bad as i will try to get no we want more next next one next one okay yes well in our next episode we'll do reviews of like four or five billionaire romances that kind of span the genre span the subgenre and i'll i'll give jen free reign during that one we'll see i'll be good i'll try really hard to be good i don't want to get fired (laughs) She's very self-conscious. And then there was me in the Cougars episode going. (laughs) I mean, because it's a very tricky subject. I really think a lot of them, there's this really great quote. uh, A lot of Americans see themselves as embarrassed millionaires. Even though probably more so than ever, there's really no social, there's less social mobility now than there's been. But people will be like, oh, well, I don't want to say anything about the wealth tax because one day I might be wealthy enough. I just think these kind of topics, they invoke really strong emotions in ways that aren't always practical or logical for most people to feel. So yeah, I'm very careful. 
Yes, you are very careful. And I think that so much of that is rooted in our cultural stigmas in the fact that we don't talk about money. Like you were raised to don't talk about money. Don't talk about what you make. Don't ask somebody what they make. Don't ask how they vote. Don't ask like their personal preferences. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a lot of the times how we were raised. And now, so what was it? May, there was that hashtag, I make how much, or I got paid how much. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're really starting to see the conversation open up in the pay gap, not only that, but also in the wealth disparity, more so than that's what's reported in the media. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe that too is playing into why the trend of billionaires being and millionaires being more strongly disliked than before. So I think that's very much something that could change. It depends really how the year goes. But yeah, so I see I see readers turning away from it, but I think I see just as many turning into it because really more than any other trope, this is pure escapism. Mm. This is the way life should be. This is the way we wished it was. I think it's very easy to write a billionaire in fiction that believes in a living wage or does some of these social goods that Batman Batman should pay more taxes okay I'm not gonna go into Batman I just think Gotham would be a much better place if he paid more in taxes than spend all that money on the stupid car in the suit listen Gotham is its own little hellhole so (laughs) he was just doing what he could you know (laughs) but that's the thing are they really doing what they could in real life no Batman pays more taxes that's my strongest statement in this piece so i'm curious yeah. to see i'm not really sure what's gonna happen that would be my guess is it's gonna be a little bit of both depending on the person and how much they can stomach what's going on and how much they do want to live kind of vicariously through another character in another setting i guess i agree with that because we were talking about kindle unlimited and how there's still a bunch of billionaires on kindle unlimited and i think a lot of that has to do with with self-publishing i think the point you're trying to make i'm gonna say a lot of guilty pleasure billionaire kindle unlimited books i think definitely in mainstream they're either gonna switch to just the generic wealthy they're not gonna give it a label or they're gonna go more uh typical average kind of salary yeah so that would be my guess because kindle unlimited is very much guilty pleasure reading uh sorry kindle unlimited people I don't even like the term guilty pleasure, but there is a difference, I think, in the things that get published between the two platforms of indie and the mainstream. We are are also starting to see trillionaires. <sighs> Kindle Unlimited. I haven't seen them contemporary yet, but I have seen, have seen them in Kindle. We're going to read one and see what it's like, because what does a trillionaire live like? I don't even want to know. It's going to be painful. He drinks wine out of the diamond chalice and his toilet is diamond too and there's gold water that's his bidet (laughs) why is everything centered around toilets for me and wealth (laughs) one other thing i was thinking about too just thinking about this uh, there's been i guess i just feel really bad for liking billionaire romance i feel like even with all this research and all this talking we're doing i still feel so guilty liking it and i feel like it makes me really shallow it feels i feel like a gold digger even though i have no intention of going after a rich man i don't even really want to be with a rich man i just think it's too much work to keep one they need a lot of ego stroking i understand why you would feel guilty obviously i will never judge you for what you read jen i have read a lot of bad stuff (laughs) we can get into that in another discussion really embarrassed that i like this i'm like a really strong independent person why do i want this jackie i think it's my student loans amen (laughs) 
<laughs> so I just started reading uh, the new Nora Roberts book that came out and in it, in like the first 30 pages, the heroine discovers that she has a $4 million inheritance that's left to her. And it's super relatable too, because, well, not the $4 million part, but she's super relatable because she's in a job she hates. She has so many student loans. She's working multiple jobs just to make ends meet and all this sort of stuff. And she finds out she's a millionaire and she's like, first things first, I'm paying off my student loans and then I'm going to Ireland. And I'm like, me too. So I think it's okay to like billionaire romances because it's what you like. It's not hurting anybody else. It's fine. It hurts my self-esteem and my pride. You feel shame. I do. I feel so much shame and I don't know what it is exactly. I didn't find any of that in my research. I think I got to like dive a little deeper in my head. That's another thing is there's no real think pieces about billionaires in romance. Well, it's kind of hard to find. I kept seeing, I kept finding articles that would be like, oh, and I'm going off this think piece, but then I couldn't find the think piece. Yeah. Or they'd be like, billionaires are great here are 20 billionaire books for you and I'm like but why do you think they're great I mean I I did see a lot of those like we read that one article from I think it was USA Today that asked all the the historical and the billionaire authors why they do this the dukes and and billionaires yeah it's like very obvious reasons but nobody discusses like what you do when you feel gross about it This is true. Because it's like, so when we talked about vampires, we found so many think pieces about vampires are gross, but this is why the books are great. And you don't see that for billionaires. And I guess this is our think piece into why is that? See, and I don't think we have a think piece. I think this is just my cross to bear. (laughs) Fair enough. This is me going, I don't know. I don't really read these books, but they're interesting. So let's talk about it. Am I overthinking this to anybody out there? I try not to be feel bad about the stuff I read, but this is like my one guilty indulgence that I just feel bad about. But I have so much student debt. I want to buy more stuff than I, I can. So this is like my daydream. That's my other thing. Like, what is wrong in my head? Is this the patriarchy? <laughs> you're going off about this. This is like, you're going off more about this than you are about unethicalness of billionaires. <laughs> well, this stuff I can defend. The unethicalness, I gotta... I don't want people to yell at me, <laughs> which is sad. Well, I don't know. Like, they're not ethical. I don't know what you want from me. How much is there to go off on? Just just Google billionaires. Okay. Let, me, let me disclaimer. Nothing is wrong with having wealth, with working towards wealth. I think there are a lot of really great millionaires out there that I'm sure worked really hard and got there that way ethically. But I think when you look at, like, the Jeff Bezos of the world, the, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world... There is no way they got that much money without cutting corners, not paying people, taking advantage of way too many tax loopholes. I've been reading all this stuff about JP Morgan. They made $30 billion last year and they paid out to social justice campaigns, kind of a thing, like a few hundred million. I mean, listen, that's, that's like, that's no small chump, but to them, it's a small chump. And honestly, they've gotten, so let's say they, I think they got fined something like 13 billion in the wake of uh, some of the the scandals that bank has gone over. They were able to actually set aside 11 billion of that as taxable income. It's just these ridiculous loopholes like that that are infuriating and should be closed, but they're not going to be closed because obviously they have access to all these politicians with their money. Yeah. So on that note, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about billionaires. Tell us if you like these books, if you don't like these books. Jen to shut up and go cry somewhere else than on our podcast.
No, it's okay. Listen, if I get to rant about cougars, you get to rant about billionaires. It's fine. These, again, we do work for Northern Onondaga Public Library. These are our own opinions, though. Yeah, please don't go yell at my boss. Yeah, no, don't. don't. <laughs> Give me in trouble. No, Mandy, we're sorry. <laughs> Mandy and Amanda, we're sorry. You know some of my other ideas. This could have been worse. This, yeah, it could have been. But yeah, have we'll... We'll come back next time with some reviews and some books we recommend and maybe don't recommend. And we'll see what the actual literature looks like. Yeah, let's take a deep dive into the stuff I'm so ashamed to read. That'll be fun. Excellent. Did you learn anything, Jackie? No. Yeah, I didn't either. I learned that I still get really excited by line graphs. (laughs) You know what? Let's take that. Jackie likes line graphs. That is my lifestyle point, line graphs. Uh All right, guys. Happy reading. Rage on, guys. Okay, Ah. bye.